Maybe at work? In the car? Wherever you are. for geocache talk whether you are at work in the car or wherever you are we hope you enjoy this show about the great sport of geocaching if you're watching live on youtube you can be part of the adventure tonight in the chat room and participate with others as they watch the show if you are listening later please give it a like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so that you can get all of the weekly geocache talk goodness All right, a little different in, a little different opening. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Big thanks to the Travel Bugs for the music. And make sure I wasn't muted. Our featured patrons, because <laughs> that wouldn't be very good if I was muted and talking to myself only. Toe-headed Mule, Team Steiny, Arnott Family, S. Siler, uh, Terraviators, saw him in the chat room. Coon and Bud, Motorima. Kimalisa, Bloody Cool, Travel Geek, Life is a Horse, and our returning patrons, Geocaching Adam, Master Sergeant USMC, Bull Bear 125, and we have some new patrons, Thumper G, TX Care Bear, well, uh, Oil Bear 125 is back as a returning patron, Gas Station Tuna, Runner Casher, The Truck, Jay Schulz, Little Miss Sunshine, and Just Finding Our Way also saw in the chat room if you'd like to become a patron click on the become a patron link on the front page of the geocache talk website or head on over to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk for more details patrons get the now famous blackout coin as well as too late i didn't have on reading too late (laughs) that's all right i blame Uh, it there you go there's the blackout coin. Uh, other geocaching items during the year, well as bonus content. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the news tonight. Invites to special events only for patrons. Support level starts at as little as Bison Tube level, which is $3 a month. Let me welcome my co-host, Jesse. Good evening. And we have a full house and a full show tonight. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one, too. We so. do. We're gonna, we got a lot. I might have to reveal myself as a book nerd tonight. So. <laughs> That's right. That, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to leak out. Exactly. Uh, sponsor tonight. If you are ready, my friend, for the sponsor for the night, it is Cashly. Cashly is the foremost geocaching app. You can find it at cashly.com. Uh, talked to Nick the other day. He's hoping to get version six out, but with everything going on, we might be uh, a little bit delayed on that. But again, we love Cashly. Cashly has been our go-to app, gosh, since it began back oh, yeah. in the day. Um, just wonderful. It's, I don't know, it's cheap. I mean, it's and you don't you you know you can. You know, the, the, we we have them on the show periodically. It's just it's really really the the app to go to. So, 
if you have an iOS device, you should have cash. Yeah. That's you know, and if you don't have an iOS device, get on eBay and get somebody's old one and use it for, for cash. Later. There you go. You need service. You just you just need a phone. That's true. Uh, I, I yeah I, and he's putting more stuff in there. Every time he puts more stuff out, like you know, a lot of times we find out what it is before he releases it and stuff. Yeah, like he doesn't. We don't need anything more. And then he puts something out. And I'm like, crap, this is awesome. And I use that too. And yeah. now part of it. You don't. What else do you need in that app? But he you keeps, don't. People send stuff in, and he keeps adding it. So that's keeps adding cool. it. Yeah, he's added the trackables is coming out too, where you can we can um, you can scan trackables with the. All right, well, let's jump right into show 194. As we actually welcome back all of our guests, they've all been on at different times. First, we'll start with uh, Dave Barsky. Hello, thanks for having me again. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, so good to have you. And then uh, the twins, Caleb. Howdy from Georgia. Caleb's up there. He's in Georgia, but he's in the top right corner. And then Joshua, his twin. Last but not least. You're my not, twin. That's right. Last but not least. <laughs> and Caleb, yes, exactly. So um, they were on the uh, podcast of Hope two years ago, I think. Yeah, not December. the one this past December. Yeah. Last, yeah, previously. Too much, too much acclaim. Too much yeah. acclaim. <laughs> All right. It was a critically acclaimed episode, I think. <laughs> it was. We, we won awards for that one. We did. We think we'd have won the one with uh, Mike Rowe on, but we did not. Sadly, we were not nominated for that one. I think because Barsky was on at the same problem. Time. Problem with an interviewer, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Might have been, yeah, it could have, yeah, it could have been the user <laughs> error. <laughs> no, we were nominated. We just lost again. That's right. <laughs> losing again. All right. So uh, we're going to do a little news. Start off with, and we, we try to balance discussions about patron stuff because some people are like i'm not a patron i don't care about it i don't want to know about it um but what we do want to mention it periodically and Mm -hmm. one one especially when something really cool is coming out that we feel like we want to mention to the public which is we're doing a book club Mm -hmm. so um jesse you want to tell everybody kind of about the book club a little bit yeah so uh and again we'll keep it short because it's really just patrons that are doing it but uh it's a virtual book club. We met last week. We decided on our book, our format, how we're going to do everything. And uh, tomorrow night, in fact, is our very first meeting of our first chapters read. And we're going to go over. Um, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. The CFO is helping me on this one. So it'll hopefully be reined in somewhat. But uh, me by myself is just, it's just, it's left field. It's everything's going everywhere. So um, this should be a lot of fun. I've never done a virtual book club before. But uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. And it's, you know, it's better than sitting around and watching 1984 baseball games. So <laughs> we got something to do. Very true. Or the the run of all the Patriot things. We don't want, nobody wants to watch those Patriot Super Bowls, right? Wow. Oh, well, Dave might. Uh, when he gets old after a while. <laughs> they get old after, listen to him. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's rough to win all those Super Bowls, I tell you. Um, Dave's a Patriots fan. That's why I was picking on him. So, um, as I sit here in my Aggies t-shirt, we're drinking out of my Rangers mug. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We've had a rough, we had a rough time here in Dallas with in the Texas area for some of those things. Uh, uh, speaking of books tonight, we're going to 
teased it a little bit, but not giving a lot. So Jesse, why don't you, why don't you do it so I don't screw it up? Um, so we've been working on a couple more books, which uh, we're not going to get into tonight because we have a big discussion tonight and we have a bunch of book nerds on. So we're all going to geek out about books. It just happened to be the theme. So we're going to go ahead and uh, Gary and I are going to release a couple more books. They're going to go to um, we needed to give some, you know, special prize and a couple of books. They're going to go to the uh, the Golden Ammo Can patrons first. We're going to let them get first crack at it and then it'll come out for the public. But we're not going to really talk about the topic or anything of those books tonight. That'll be for another show. And uh, but we do want to get mentioned that we're going to give a sneak peek to uh, a certain group of patrons. So that, that should be fun. We'll see how that goes. And hopefully it should be uh, some fun, fun times in these books. We've been working on them so much. I'm trying not to leak anything out about them yet. So, yep. Um, but we'll, in an upcoming show very soon, we'll talk about those. And that has nothing to do with tonight's show, but it's all book related stuff tonight. So, uh, yeah, perfect. Is that enough of a teaser? We got two books, Golden Ammo Can patrons get the first crack at them, and then they're going to release to the public. And they're obviously geocaching books, and we're going to have some fun with them. But, but again, that's for another show. That's for, whoa, that's for another, it's a little early for that, isn't it? Another show. Uh, I'm only drinking, so I can, I can say it all night long. Never, (laughs) please do. Uh, and then upcoming shows do want to mention Tuesday. Uh, we're doing the Tuesdays, with geocache talk should be interesting. We're doing sort of a love hate thing with, uh, things that we love and hate with Jesse and I. So it'll be fun. Uh, little pull back the curtain things on things we love. Boy, they're really, they're bashing Jesse about earth caches. You might hear, you might find a different story about Jesse as far as earth caches goes sometime in the near future, but. Never. Maybe not. No, he's not going to come out and say he loves Earth Caches. That's probably not. Probably not. But I think it will. People are really, people are genuinely upset that you hate Earth Caches, but that's for another show. That is. You're just trying to make me drink all my water tonight. I have to give myself a break. This Corona is killing my liver. So. <laughs> that's good. Uh, I know that was one of the side effects, but apparently it is. <laughs> Next Sunday, we're going to do. Um, Kind of a sort of a quiz show, kind of. It's called. It's in the geocaching rules. I did a semi deep dive into the rules and found crazy stuff that I had no idea was in there. I thought this would be a great show. So those are always fun. They are. We're gonna have on uh, April Holly Smith be her first uh, time on the show. Um, she's written some blogs that are fabulous, and uh, be fun having her on. Be your first time, and then we're bringing back uh, Neil Moore. Will also be on. Um, so we can make fun of Neil. So that's how I'm on for that. So um, Gadget Talk will be a week from Tuesday. And then uh, May 3rd, we have a show, possibly TBD. We're not sure what we're doing. So just FYI, stay tuned for that. TBD is so, a great TBD is a great guest. It is a great, fabulous. Yeah. Always it's shows gonna up, be, too. It's going to be a great around. show. Yeah, he gets booked a lot. He never, never is too bad. So, all right, well, let's let's get into a couple of things. Oh, and I did want to bring up because I found it interesting, and I wanted to let Dave talk about this briefly, and we'll jump into from that into uh, uh, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> Make fun of me? Yeah, sorry, buddy. I didn't. It's too late now. You can't jump out. You're That's you're right. you're committed. Um. So. Um, the good news though, is that, uh, straight up Steve Austin still coming back. We think, 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, lots of lots is up in the air still. Uh, we had we were a week away from shooting our first two episodes, and uh, society shut us down. Uh, I so know. Crazy. <laughs> what can you do? Uh, but we're hoping to book all the guests again and uh, maybe start up in June or so. But yeah, I just don't know yet. It's got to be tough too. I mean, just the the whole, you know, and you could probably you we could do a whole show on this sometime. But just that, if you have something halt a production of something of that, you know, of that, you know, magnitude, because you're trying, you got a thousand moving parts. Like you were saying, you've got some guests who are probably only available part of the time, other guests who might be available more often, and then you got to try to shift all that because um, for the most part, you're traveling more toward – they're not really coming – you were going to their – you were going to where they, they were. Like last year when you did um, the one in Cleveland, I mean, so – are, were most of them on the road? I'm trying to think about all the shows. Well, well, last season we only had two on the road out of the six episodes. We're dividing it pretty much down the line this season, four on the road, four in Los Angeles. But we were actually going to travel somebody out to Los Angeles from New York City for the second episode that we were slated to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, you know, we're trying to rebook the guest, and, and but nobody even wants to speculate on when they'll be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not for at least another two weeks, uh, but if that we're just in unusual territory, uh, unique territory, uncharted territory, if you will, we've never had anything like this. Nobody has had anything like this. So we don't know how things are going to shake out, but you know, it's interesting though. Uh, people are realizing that, you know, formats and, and, and television. I mean, look at, no one's going to movie theater right now. Right. Uh, People are, you know, really getting into their subscription services and things like that. YouTube has always been uh, a going concern for people, but now larger networks are actually seeing this whole, you know, uh, sitting at home, what we're doing as viable programming. Uh, Apparently Mike Rowe just did something on discovery with uh, the deadliest catch captains and just a big zoom conversation. And they aired it on the, on the network and it rated. So, you know, we're looking into options like that um, for Steve as well. Uh, I'm going to try to get that going anyway, but we just don't know. Yeah. I saw his uh, Hot Ones. Oh, yeah. That he did, which was really great. If anybody's seen the show Hot Ones, I'm obsessed yeah. with Hot Ones right now. Um, but because it, it really is, I look at it from a different perspective. We talked about this, I think, uh, at least I think Jesse and I did about the guy's interviewing prowess is unbelievable. So I'm trying to learn more from him. Uh, but he is incredible. He does so much great research. And uh, so uh, your, your buddy's in there, uh, Dave, uh, he says, you know, one door opens and. Yes, yeah, Scott. Yeah, no, uh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> I, I've gotten calls for other work actually uh crazy enough uh even i'm dedicated to the show right now but uh people don't know what's how things are going to shake out and um but uh uh, you know people can research new shows that they can wait till you know uh you know there's a certain amount of research that's going any show uh before they start shooting it and that takes months sometimes so people are saying hey if you're not doing something right now why can't you research this show and shoot it for us in august or when we can start right uh i'm not sure i want to do that of course uh, (laughs) but who knows yeah 
No, that's cool. Well, good. Well, thanks for the update and, and, um, you know, keep us updated on all those as, as time goes on. So, all right. So why this Motley crew is because all of these folks, including Jesse and myself to an extent, we'll talk about that tonight. Uh, really love <clears throat> book reading. We're bibliophiles is the old uh, term, but, um, I don't know if people are really familiar with that, but we're going to go around the room and kind of talk about the first question that I posed to the group, which is your favorite types of books. So uh, I guess we'll start with, uh, with Dave and we'll just go through the notes and kind of hear. And I guess I do want to mention preface this by saying that uh, if you're watching this and you're like, isn't this a geocaching podcast? Yes. Stick with us. Give me some latitude. We're going <laughs> to, as I was telling Caleb the other day, we're going to, we're going to meander down the pathway through the forest, but we're going to end up at a point that I'm building a foundation. Yeah. Right. I'm building something here. So stick with me. It's geocaching related. So stay with me through uh, the show. So, all right, Dave, we'll start with you. What are, what is your favorite books or favorite, favorite type of book? Well, right now, and you know, as we're all under, quarantine or isolation, whatever you call it. I actually, there's one classic that I'm actually uh, consulting every night. Um, I, some people might be familiar. It's Mr. Boston's official guide to bartending and partying. Sweet. <laughs> got all the recipes you need. Trust me. Nice. Yeah. I like the bourbon section myself. Amen. But uh, no, I mean, I, I read a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, I uh, I love nonfiction, especially you know travel guides and things like that. Mm-hmm. Every book you see behind me, however, is a, a science fiction novel. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm you know that's traveling to other worlds, I guess, uh, in, in a fictitious way, which I enjoy. But I, I, I it runs the gamut, really. I mean, I have so many different interests in so many different areas. Uh, but if it's something, you know, I read poetry books as well. But I think primarily is. Um, uh, definitely science fiction and travel, uh, uh, you know, monologues and things like that. Are you, uh, I remember, uh, we learned from Mike Rowe about, uh, your haikus. Are you, are you still writing a haiku a day or are you kind of not doing that? No, not, not as much as I, I'd want to be. I mean, I have a whole library full of haiku books. I actually know for a fact I I have one of the largest collections of haiku books in America. Um, wow. cause I've been to Japan. I've, 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 I've a couple times and I've bought uh, several volumes there as well. Cool. Uh, I just love, love the, the, the medium, if you will. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it. Uh, so let's go over then. I think uh, uh, Jesse, we'll go to you next. You're in the, you're next in the show notes. So I'm going to go to you next, but next in the show notes, huh? You're uh, next. You're next up. So, yeah. This is a hard question, right? If you read a lot, I'll read just about anything to be honest. I'm a big sci-fi fan. Always have been. Um, I read a lot of nonfiction, which sounds kind of boring, but I, I like it anyway. Uh, um, and then I think the biggest cat, you know, well, I guess I also read a lot of detective books too. I like crime books uh, just for my past career and stuff like that. And a lot of them are laughable, but some of them are really entertaining. So it's, it's fun to read both true crime and fictional crime. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing for me uh, is uh, it, I tried to look up the term because there's a debate on what the actual term is for it. It's not one of the standard categories, but some people call it speculative fiction. 
Um, I call it, you know, it, basically if they change a little bit of an aspect and go, what would happen if this happened? I'm hooked. That's all oh, they really okay. have to write on the back of the book for me too. So, but we'll get into that later, but yeah. um, that, you know, what would happen if type of books, that's probably my absolute favorite kind. Very cool. Um, Josh, what, where, where are you at on the type of books you prefer? Yeah, I love, I'm kind of like what Jesse said. I'll read anything. Um, I like uh, nonfiction history, American history. Um, I like, uh, to read theology books. That's kind of my area of study. So that's either right. fiction or nonfiction, depending on what you believe. Um, <laughs> I like to read, uh, stuff like Malcolm Gladwell, some of his stuff and things oh, yeah. in that kind of type as well. And then for fiction, I like true crime or I like true crime. I like whodunits, uh, Agatha Christie stuff, uh, historical fiction, um, is a big, big genre that I like to read. And then I do like to read the high, some high fantasy, what's considered high fantasy, like Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Rowling, those kinds of fantasy novels. So uh, I usually have one of my one of the things I've got usually is I've got a book that I'm reading kind of just for fun. Mm-hmm. And then I usually have a nonfiction book that I may be kind of muddling through, um, as it were, something over. I like to read stuff that's over my head. So whether it's about like parallel universes or whatever, just something that takes a while to kind of get through. Um, so I usually have, as most book nerds do, I usually have two or three uh, books on the stove, as it were, reading at once. So Absolutely. I just finished Serpico um, because I wanted to watch the movie. I've never seen the movie, so I figured I'd read the book first. I like to read books before I watch the movies, that kind of stuff. That's very cool. Yeah, people are coming. I love it. Our chat room is great. Must use that light a lot. That's because you got the you, – you're uh, – oh, yeah. Did you get post-it notes on it? <laughs> these are all. Most of these are notes from the kids. Um, oh, nice. They come to church. They'll write post-it notes. Harley, my uh, my nine-year-old, she likes to write uh, notes and pretend they're from my wife. But it's pretty easy to tell that, like this one, it says "I love you, Josh" from Sarah. I know that's backwards, but <laughs> it's clearly and not in an adult's handwriting. So <laughs> she will. She will. It's very cute. So yeah, I like to just post them on there. That's awesome. I also have little like, um, little motivational things like no finish lines and all kinds of good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, all right, Caleb, tell us tell us your thoughts on your favorite type of book. Um, I read a lot of science fiction, fantasy, that kind of stuff. I read Dune last year and loved that. Um, big Lord of the Rings fan. Read all of the. Um, Game of Thrones books, those kind of things. Uh, so that's why a lot of Asimov. That's that's I kind of tear through those and kind of detective stories. So um, Agatha Christie, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I try to read a lot of kind of classic literature. I literally actually finished War and Peace uh, today. A couple like thirty minutes before the show, it took me like nine months to read. So usually I try to read some classic literature um, while sprinkling in some stuff that's a little easier to digest. So that's my usual. My usual track, and I love uh, I love reading, you know, history, um, historical fiction, mm-hmm. anything related to to history. No, that's great. Yeah, so people say, "Oh, yeah, I've read War and Peace." Uh, maybe not, because it's what seven hundred. I think my my edition's about thirteen hundred pages, but 1300? the last yeah, the last couple hundred pages are Tolstoy just kind of. They're just two long essays that I skipped because <laughs> they're epilogues. I have no interest in reading that. Right. <laughs> Did you say too that uh, he uh, Tolstoy had a real trouble uh, as Josh uses landing the plane? He couldn't like finish this novel, dude. 
Oh, what's weird about uh, not to talk about War and Peace too long, but what's weird about it is you, it, mm. it kind of ends abruptly. Like it kind of ends in the middle of this. Like it was a TV show. It's kind of the Sopranos ending. I mean, not quite, but it just like it kind of stops. And you're like, is that it? And so it's funny. It's like after like 1,100 pages, you're like, all right, well, I guess he's done. And then it's like the epilogue is like seven years later, and you're like, this is that's not how I would tell the story, but okay. The more that Caleb talks about it, the less interested I am in reading it. Right. Yeah, you're not doing a good job of selling that book, George. <laughs> not really true. I, I, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's worth it's worth reading to say you've read it, but uh, it it took me nine months to finish for a reason. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so just real quick, uh, mostly I'm interviewing these guys, but as far as books I like, um, Gladwell, I've read all of Gladwell's. I uh, I brought a, one one book that I know the boys have read, and we're going to get into some other things here in a minute, but I guess you boys remember this one, The Cuckoo's Egg, Cliff Stoll. In fact, uh, somebody... Who got me the replacement? Because the other one, Caleb, did you get this? There, yeah, there's that. Oh, you got my replace. You got my original, right? No, no, this is the same edition. We, your original's gone. I, I'm actually reading this too right now. Okay. I've got like hundred twenty pages in that. Three. Yeah, Josh shows you a copy. I'm keeping mine. <laughs> That's okay. I got a copy. We're good. Uh, but we'll we're gonna get more of that in, in a minute because we're gonna switch gears and this this is a topic that could probably go on way past tonight, but. Dave, what makes a good book? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, there's a lot of different things. But first and foremost, I think it's just good writing. And, you know, you don't have anything without it. Uh, you, but what is good writing is different for lots of people, I guess. Right. Um, I like to be challenged. I, I like I, I, I have a, a book where I it's literally my own personal dictionary. If I don't know a word and I'll write it down and I'll write down the definition. I'll look it up. I'll write it down and to make sure I learn it. Uh, so I think that's very important to be challenged uh, to sort of read above your level a little bit, as long as you're reading, reading for pleasure as well. Uh, but I, I also think no matter if it's nonfiction or fiction, uh, just to have some sort of solid POV, whether it's a, uh, you know, the point of view of the, the character in a book, or if, you know, you're going to talk about, uh, you know, if it's a travelogue, from, you know, going hiking in Budapest in, and throughout the countryside of Hungary, mm-hmm. have a point of view. What is what, what is it about the country you love? What, what is it about the food you love? Whatever it is, a strong POV really, really is essential. Yeah, you know, interesting because um, you have traveled to a lot of countries. Do you remember what's the what's your do you remember what your total is at the point at this point? Uh, yeah, I've traveled to thirty-one different countries. Right. So, I guess if you've as you've found in the process of that over the period of time you've you know you've been doing you know and producing shows and so forth that uh, were you when you knew you were going some to some country were you trying to either find a book on it or was it on the is it on the other side after you went to you know, uh, say Nepal, did you go back and try to read after the fact or before you went there? Do you think it depends on the country and what I have to do? Uh, sometimes for work, I do, uh, buy a, a book, uh, to learn a little bit about the country. I usually buy at least one book in a country that I go to, uh, uh-huh. English language book, it, whether it be a picture book or a travel log or somebody's, um, someone else's experience, some other foreigners experience in that country, 
Um, you know, I'm, I love food, of course. And, you know, mm-hmm. before the first time I went to Japan, I got a book just on the food of Japan and heard of things I've never heard before and, and, and really sought them out to try in the country. So it just depends. I mean, but I usually buy a book in country without a doubt, no matter right. where I go. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you were, when you produced uh, Bizarre Foods, I mean, obviously Andrew's the expert. He was the, all that, but were you trying, like you said, in a sense to try to learn some of that before a show to try to help with, with your, with the production or. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, listen, Andrew's an expert and, 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 and any of these hosts, some most most of them are but they still need to do their research before they go to have a launch pad from but then they can articulate their again as i spoke before their own point of view yeah um and you know you can be influenced by an author's point of view before you go to a country but you might find it's different but it's important to have your own experience when you travel of course sure no that's cool uh jesse what do you think makes a good book yeah i could uh as you mentioned, I could probably talk about this both on my personal opinion and just in a generic terms for, for hours. Um, but uh, so the way I'll approach it first, I, I definitely agree with what Dave just said, but uh, so I'm going to pick something else that I was thinking about, which is uh, the character, whether that's the POV character or the main character of the book, or just one that you attach to in the book, mm-hmm. they have to be, well, they have to be relatable, but they also have to be imperfect, right? Like, it's, it's no fun to read a story when, of course, you know, this main character is like overpowered, super smart, has the background experience of everything, like in a crime novel or whatever. And you're like, OK, there's no point in this character even being there. You have to be able to relate to them, but at the same time, root for them and feel like at some point, you know, in some of the books that you're reading in fiction, you have to get invested in them somehow. That's either right. through the author's terrible things they put them through during the book right. or their character flaw or something about that character that you really relate to. And for me, when I'm reading fiction, it, uh, I really need to tie into a character Mm -hmm. to to finish that book, whether it's a 1300 page Stephen King book or just a short read, um, that I would go into the next part in the series. If I don't, if I don't relate to or buy into that character, uh, it doesn't really matter how well the book's written for the rest of it. I, I can't, I can't attach to it. Once I attach to a character, if it's a series or if it's an author that I know would have a similar, you know, style for other ones, right. I'll go through everything they have. Um, but but I have to I have to feel attached to a character. So to me, whether it's that point of view voice or it's an actual character in the book, if I feel a connection with them, I'm kind of hooked at that point. They can pretty much take me wherever they want to go in that story after that, and I'm hooked. Gotcha. So that, that's probably one of my top top things as far as uh, what makes a good book for me personally. Sure. Uh, Josh, how about you? Um, yeah, I agree with with the what the comments that uh, were made before for sure. And so I'll, I'll try to mention some different ones. So we're not just repeating ourselves. For nonfiction, I like uh, to see an efficient use of words. I hate when you when you're reading a nonfiction book and it's mostly fluff, and you can tell the author's just trying to reach some kind of page limit. You know, I want it to be right. a good pace. Let's let's get to the point with nonfiction and and whatever you're trying to uh, to tell me. Um, and then as far as fiction goes, um, obviously the characters that we talked about compelling characters, but, 
uh, I, I like the universe to be consistent. And this is actually something that you taught me, Dad, was sometimes the, the universe, the world of the book, it has to make sense within itself. So even though there can be magic and all kinds of stuff, it has to make sense in itself, in its own world. And some sometimes books don't do a good job with that. And then also, I hate lazy writing, and I'm going to butcher how you say this, but you know the, the deus ex machina where there's some impossible situation and then you know by some random occurrence they get saved and that happens over and over again to me that's really lazy writing in in fiction of course it's going to happen sometimes but you know i like to see uh i like to see writing that's not lazy where the you know it's not just getting the characters in trouble and then having some you know crazy uh thing save them all the time uh it you know, you can kind of tell that it's it's just the author being lazy. So those are some of the things that I look for. Yeah. No. By the way, Josh, that was the best pronunciation of that I've ever heard. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I took Greek and Hebrew in school, but not Latin. So I did take I take I took two years of Latin in school. Hey. So that, was, that was excellent. Hey, there you hey, go. I appreciate that. Yay. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> no, that that is so true. Uh Caleb. Bobby, you another um, one of the things uh, you know, as a journalist and as somebody who's taught journalism to college students, one of the things we try to focus on is active writing. You want to be, as Josh was talking about, you want to be efficient in the way that you communicate. Um, and and I think that translate, translates to fiction writing. There are some authors who do a really good job of having very active um, characters, um, active protagonists, and also having very active dialogue. So a writer like Elmore Leonard um, – kind of gets to the point quickly. The dialogue is rich. There's not a lot of fluff as Josh was kind of referencing. So that's something I think is important to me. It's, it's, you want an active protagonist who's driving, you know, the plot, who's driving the things that are, that are going on, not just a passive protagonist or things are just happening to them. And then I think there's an efficiency in communication um, and in dialogue that when it's really done well, can be really enjoyable to read. Right. Very good. Excellent, excellent. You guys yeah, doing- Justified. Yeah, Elmer Leonard uh, wrote the short story that the TV show Justified is based on. So, Dire Wolf, you are right. Oh, cool. And um, Dire Wolf, you did mention earlier, uh, yeah, I put some of your stuff in my book. I don't know if that's going to ruin the book or not, but I think we're okay with that. Um, but thank you for your uh, entries into uh, whenever that does come out. We're not sure yet on that, but uh, hopefully soon. All right. Um, this is kind of interesting question for everybody is as far as what draws you in to a particular book and kind of what I was thinking about was, uh, Tyro, ouch, no, buddy, you, you gave, you gave some good info. So I'm kidding. You're, I'm, was, was very happy to put your information in there. So, um, what draws you into a book? And this may be what you see on a shelf or it could be somebody mentioned something and you're like, wait a minute, I'm interested. Tell me more. So what is it that draws you in to a particular book? So back to Dave. Uh, again, I, I think this, man, this question is probably harder to narrow down than the last one. Uh, <laughs> just it's because there's like, yeah, it might've been like, it's an author. I particularly love uh, a recommendation by somebody else uh, of authors and books that they, that they love. Right. But subject matter, of course, you know, I'm obsessive about collecting books. So I'll, I want to have like, if I like the author, I want to have all their books. Uh, I just, and, and if it's a particular like travel logs, if it's a destination I'm interested in, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll, I'll purchase that. There's just too many to name really. 
Right. No, that's very true. There's um it can be a very very things. Jesse, what are what are some things that come to your mind that Neil stole mine. He said, of a beautiful woman swooning into the arms of Fabio. I think that's a <laughs> I think that's a dime novel, is what he's thinking of, isn't it? What oh, yeah. Dime, okay. So um, dime romance novel. Yeah, uh, thinking this one, I want to switch back to nonfiction. So for fiction, I have a really low threshold for what I'll pick up and read or listen to. Um, and we hadn't really talked about that this much, the other versions of books, but uh, before all the world ended, I would commute two hours a day. And uh, so my local library has free audiobooks, So I, I consume those like crazy. Um, so because I have such an opportunity twice, you know, twice a day, I get to, to drive and listen to audiobooks. Right. Uh, threshold for what I'll pick up and or listen to is really low for fiction because um, I get to do so many. But um, for nonfiction, I don't want to say it's equally low because I want to learn something out of it. Uh, right. I, I'm not a big history buff. My wife is. I know a lot of people are. Uh, I'm not that guy. Hey, if I pick up a book, all I need to pick up a nonfiction book and to go with it is if I'm going to learn something out of it, I'm happy. It can be the most random topic. That doesn't really matter as much as when I walk away from this, I think I'll learn something from this. Um, that's pretty much all it takes. Like, like I was mentioned earlier, it could be on parallel universes or, you know, how to, to plumb in a toilet. I just want to know something new and I always want to learn something new. And so I go back and forth. I'll, I'll pick up a nonfiction book, learn something brand new and then go back to anything. It could be a King novel. It could be a, you know, a deep sci-fi, it could be a, a trashy romance novel. I don't care. I'll read a lot of that stuff. Right. But I always try to balance it, right? Because I'm not in school currently. I just got out of school again recently. So I'm not in school currently. So I try to, you know, put something into my brain every once in a while besides entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. But I got to balance. So I go back and forth. But um, if I can learn something new out of it, even if I never get a chance to use it, it's one of those things you're like, you know, when you finally get to use that little nugget of trivia, <laughs> in real life application, you're like, yes, I do know what that is. <laughs> um, I'm awesome. kind of a nerd for that. So that, that that's the shortest way I can answer that one. Right, right. Uh, Josh, what uh, what draws you in? I'm going to be real shallow with this one. I'll agree with what people were saying. But, you know, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, the cover. I, I mean, if if it has an intriguing cover, if I'm just browsing and I, I'm not looking for a particular author or, or you know, I'm just kind of looking – around if 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 i see a, a book that has a really nice jacket on it, a really nice cover whatever cool design i'll at least pick it pick it up and and kind of thumb through it um i know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover but i you know so it, if somebody puts a lot of care and effort into it uh you know i, I know at least they have a good marketing team if nothing else so <laughs> if i'm just looking at the shelf something's got a cool cover um you know, or an intriguing title, then, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for pulling it off and seeing what, seeing what's going on. Sweet. That's true. Caleb, uh, you have, uh, I'm going to shift my screen a little bit to show my, Oh yeah. Ah, there we go. That's yeah. beautiful. So there's, there's three of my bookshelves. So it doesn't <laughs> take a lot to get me interested. Um, Typically, yeah, if it's an author I know who I enjoy, I'll look at their stuff. If it's something somebody suggested, if it's classical work, I'll check it out. Um, and then, like Josh was saying, um, definitely, you know, uh, cover design, how the book is constructed, because reading for me is a very tactile experience. So 
all those things kind of factor into it. And typically, um, I'm you know, there's a list of books that I'm looking for. So if I hit a bookshop up, there's typically something that I'm I'm looking at. Sure. Uh, yeah, Can I just a, go back to one thing, Gary? Yeah, go ahead. Did Jesse really say that he listens to books on tape? Oh yeah. Oh god. Hundreds of them. Probably at least two of them a week. Oh, Next man. thing you're gonna tell me, you read on a tablet too. <laughs> so does Dad. Dad. You think he's mad? Dad I only so, uh, listens to books so on tape. I consume I, books in three ways. Uh, no, I sorry, read. Sorry. I always read physical books. I don't care what they come up with. I'll always read physical books. Amen. I also have a Kindle, the Paperwhite. Yeah. I go through tons of books on that, and I have the unlimited, you know, subscription thing for that, so I can go through books as well. Um, and I also listen to books, so I, I consume it in all three ways because uh, I can't help it. I, I can't sit around a lot and read. I, there's, I don't have as much time to sit with a physical book, but I do have time to to read something on a tablet because I can keep that. You can load like eighty thousand books on those tablets. Yeah, but that's what podcasts are for. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to those in the car, not books. Yeah, there you go. actually, I, I listen to both of them in the car, and I drive around some during work during the day too. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it, I don't know, I got into that habit years ago when I was running a lot. I'd throw an audio book on like a long run, and you know, speed it up. I'm one of those nerds that like puts it at like two and a half speed because I just it it locks me oh, in. Boy. And the next thing you know, you're 10 miles in your run, and it's you're like, <laughs> and I got hooked on it. This is killing me. Listen, listen, the CFO is agreeing with me. You gotta right. listen to her. Yeah, audio books. Yeah, yeah. Direwolf is right. You're missing the smell of a book. That's very underrated. Yeah, we're oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. So I'll never. The audio books are great, and because there's a there's a a niche of books that that won't be brought up as the best books ever tonight, right? But that I also enjoy. It's those really independent books that are just really weird. They have terrible covers. They had, they're just like that one-off book. Um, I read one, and then we'll get back on track. Yeah. I read one because it was like free or a dollar ninety-nine or something like that. I got it was uh, it was called Fat Vampire. And this <laughs> to write a book, and it was one of the funniest books I'd ever read. I, the guy was not a famous author or anything, and it was hilarious. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Fat Vampire. The, oh, uh, the, the short version of this, just in case anybody wants to go look up for it. So this guy, like vampires are real, that kind of deal. Well, this guy's like a unhappy with himself physically and and you know he's not that smart and he's got a crappy no. job well he gets approached by a vampire and he's like well yeah hell yeah sign me up right he goes i'll be like twilight uh <laughs> the next morning and he's still the same person except for now he's a vampire and he can't like he can't lose weight he can't fix his hair he can't do anything he has to live like that forever <laughs> and he can't die <laughs> um, he just plain uh, suck oh, yeah but uh oh there it is i caught that yeah. um, thank you so, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. So oh, better than War and Peace, you're saying. Listen, if if it's a Friday night and you gotta pick between War and Peace and Fat Vampire, I, yeah. I, I would suggest Fat Vampire too. <laughs> ten hey, ten ten. Aggie Jedi Master says Ready Player One was fun read listen. Yeah. I, I yeah, actually I like that one. I just started that this week, actually. That's oh, Caleb, yeah. that's Caleb, right? That's, that's my Caleb. that's, that's Caleb. my burner YouTube the chat room. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's my yeah. Uh, Ernest Klein, he's a screenwriter. Um yeah. and I, I was really surprised with how well it still felt like a screenwriter writing a novel, but it was a lot of fun to 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 read. Yeah, it's 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 a quick read, but it's 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 still a, a good read. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. far. I'm only on to the, up to the sixth chapter because I just started it. But oh, it's good. Yeah. Sweet. All right, next question is 
can you name, I know we all have many examples, but can you, each of you guys name maybe one, maybe I'll give you two books that stand out to you that really um, give the example of why maybe necessarily it was a book that you're like, Oh, I know this is going to be good. And I bought it and I read it and it was good. And I knew what I was doing. Or can you think of a particular book where you're like, eh, I don't know about this book. And then you got into it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was wrong about that. I mean, I was, I was, it, it was better than I thought it could ever be. And I'm glad that I at least got into it. Dave. <laughs> ah, I don't know. Uh, that's a really hard question, but I, oh God, I got a problem. I, I, I can't <laughs> not finish a book, even if I'm not enjoying it. I, 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 I literally, uh, last month I finished a book, a fiction book that I had been reading for an entire year on and off. Oh, I mean, my. this thing traveled around the world with me. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't finish it, but I, you know, I, I read other things, you know, I got nonfiction yeah. books going at the same time, but I, I just, I, I don't know the answer to that. It, Really, without thinking harder, you got me blindsided on that one. All right, we'll come back. You think about it a minute, yeah. Jesse. Is there something that, yeah, struck um, you? So, I have a book that I love, and the whole series I love. And for a long time, people hadn't, not that many people had heard of it, but they made a movie out of it more recently. Um, only sci-fi nerds had heard of it before the movie, and the, and the book's Ender's Game. Um, the movie sucked. If you haven't seen it, don't go watch it. Yeah. Um, unless you're like four years old and go and watch stuff blow up. But um, it was terrible. But that book, I picked it up. So long time ago, I picked this book. It's actually an older book. Um, and I picked it up a long time ago. A roommate of mine in college had the book and, you know, left it in the, you know, the library, the shared mm-hmm. library. So right. uh, I had some extra time to kill. And I'm sitting there, I pick up this book and I never put it down after that. It was it was great. Um, the reason why it, uh, and if you don't know what Ender's Game is, it's a sci-fi type book, but it's really a book about leadership and business schools make people read it and military academies make people read it and everything else. It's uh, it's an awesome book, but it, it hits all the high points for me. Um, when he wrote this, he wrote this basically to tell a story. Okay. Kale's <laughs> right um, got it. Twonky's got it. <laughs> he, uh, awesome. he wrote it to tell a story and then, uh, it's been popularized now, but it was like a big twist and everything else. A great book. And he built all the characters. But the reason why that one has submitted as one of my favorite books of all time is because of the series that came after it also. So there's, mm-hmm. there's books that come after it. And a lot of people stop on the next couple of books after that, because he starts really dry on this next story, but it's really about, it's called genocide. It's really about genocide, but he writes it in a different setting and where you can actually take a look from both sides and, um, the whole, every book hits. Yeah. That, there it is right there. That book. Um, that was the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Speaker yeah. for the dead. And there's a whole, there's Speaker a whole for the dead is probably the best one. I think the, uh, but there's also, um, that one. There you go. I like speaker for the dead, the best too. Yeah, probably. Too. Yeah. Um, and the, the whole character, like there's a character in the book, even like there's so many characters in the book in this series that, that spoke to me, but there's one character. And if you don't know what it is, her name is Jane. She's like a whole different he's oh, got wait. series there. Dave's got um, Dave's got all of them here. It carries from book to book, and uh, it really hits a lot of high level topics in a way that's readable for everybody. I mean, anybody can read these books. 
And um, he he does what was mentioned earlier. He builds this universe. Now, there's there's a bunch of books in it, so there's obviously mistakes along it. If you find, you know, if you look hard enough, right. but he builds this whole universe and starts from this story, and then writes another parallel series from a different point of view. And mm-hmm. if you're really familiar with the story, then you see it from another side. They have another main character that goes to this story. And you think, well, I've already heard this story. He does such a good job building the universe. You feel like you already know the story, and then it, but it carries through all the books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've reread those books so many times. It's not even funny. And I um, routinely uh, have bought extra copies of the first one to get people hooked and hand them out to people. Nice. So uh, here. Okay, here it goes. it's just my absolute favorite book series, even though a lot of people know about it now. For mm-hmm. a long time, people didn't know about it as much. So it's kind of like my thing. And, I, you know, <laughs> me and my science fiction nerds all knew about it, but that was about it. So it was. Uh, but that's easily my favorite book and series of books. Without a doubt, I could talk about that book all night long. So. <laughs> but we're not. So we're moving yeah, on. Josh. Too, but- <laughs> so, Josh, what is anything that uh, you have seen that sticks out? Do you have any examples of what we're talking about tonight or in this, this question? Yeah, I mean, uh, if we're talking, are we, I, I was kind of confused by the question. Are we talking favorite books? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, we're doing um, talking about books that would stand out to you as far as being something you weren't, you didn't think was going to be any good, and you kind of like, oh, okay. eh, I don't know about this, and you got into it, and you're like, oh, man, I'm glad I did, or something that was particular for you that stood out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guys mentioned about the you know Ender's Game. You're yeah. like, the movie sucked, but yeah. somehow I got into the book. Is, is no. there examples that you have of that? That was a if that was a question like a deposition, I would be objecting to it. That's like yeah, the longest understand. question in history. But yeah, it was uh, a long I question. think I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> Let's just all say Ender's <laughs> Game is the answer. Listen, right. Can I, um, can I, I mean, what I'll, what I'll say is, uh, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. A book that I mean, a lot of the books that I've read, you know, usually I don't just kind of randomly pick pick stuff, but um, you know, Didn't there's you like a, the Thomas Hardy book. Yeah, so one of the things I've been trying to do is read more like classic American literature, like and not just classic American literature, just classic literature in general. And so I started reading like Charles Dickens stuff and Thomas Hardy, and it's real hit and miss. Like there's, I'm still trying to finish Bleak House by Charles Dickens, but some of them I was really uh, encouraged by. Uh, Thomas Hardy wrote a book called Far from the Madding Crowd, which I loved, mm-hmm. and which I did not expect to love at all because it's just not my genre. So I have found that if I branch out into genres that I wouldn't usually read and just kind of start forcing myself to read it, there are some there are some gems. You know, th- there's some Dickens books that I really like, and then there's stuff like Old Curiosity Shop that I'm like, this book could be set on fire and I want to care. But um, you know, I, I think that's it's I we can always just read the stuff that we're interested in, but if we're willing to branch out into a genre that we're not used to, uh, you know, I think we're, we'll be able to find that. Uh, yeah. See, re, see, you know, you, they say that you had to read in high school. Don't you can't, you can't judge that because when, <laughs> whenever somebody makes you read a book, you're not going to like it. That's what I found. If somebody, <laughs> you have to read this book, you're not going to like it. You have to choose it on your own, but, and you know, it's kind of like, uh, I look at books kind of like food, you know, when you're younger or at different ages, some stuff you, you're going to like or not like, and you know, then you can go go back and maybe it'll grow on you. So you got to be open. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of times I listen to what Caleb likes cause we're twins. So if he likes it, there's a chance that I'll like it, but, and we have different tastes, but, um, I hope that answer was as long as your question. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, and so my question to Caleb is same question. 
Um, so I read Dune last year and was really surprised by how much I enjoyed that. I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. It's really, really good. And there's Don't a movie read coming the out. Rest of them. Okay, yeah, I haven't. I, I just read the first one. Yeah. There's a movie coming out in uh, December, so mm-hmm. um, that looks fantastic. Cool. And then um, I read a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court uh, by Mark Twain last year as well, and was really just surprised with how readable Twain's kind of uh, prose is. So uh, those two kind of stick out to me as recent ones that I really kind of didn't mm-hmm. expect to enjoy as much as I did. Cool. Yeah, you guys are doing. You guys are doing great tonight. I don't know if you. I feel like you're setting we're up, the best. Yeah, it sounds like you were not expecting this. Yes. Like you haven't heard us talk for the last 30 years of our like lives. A, it sounds like a setup. I hope you have a direction here. So. Yeah, he's a tough love dad. <laughs> I have a tough love. Uh, so we're going to switch gears again to a different. We're still on the topic, but a little switch. Um, geocaching. Why is it that in general... We don't have a lot of good geocaching books. So, and people are going to be like, oh, well, what about blah, blah, blah? Well, yeah, but there aren't a lot. So, <laughs> I, I'm a, we're going to do it a little differently. I'm just going to open up to the whole group. I'm going to go around people the room. Huh? I said the, your, your example of people complaining <laughs> sounds real dumb. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think what you mean is, uh, we don't have a lot of books. The ones we have are right. good. They are. I agree. I just, I just, I think, but there's a lot more possibilities that can, can be had with the subject matter. Yeah. Which we're going to get into. Oh, Jeff, look at Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Go ahead. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> we're going to do that tonight. I see where we're going. No. Um, this just one big sales pitch for y'all's books. Is that all this yeah. is? Yes, no, it is. We didn't talk about our book tonight. So somebody mentioned that okay. it was an Amway thing. So yeah. you're signing us up for a timeshare at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you had to stick. You have to stay to the end to get the timeshare. So yeah. Um, Gene Hunter. Yeah, that's something that I think uh, Dave you mentioned in the. Yeah, uh, I said exactly what Gene said when the notes. I mean, that's just. Uh, it, it, writing is a very time-consuming endeavor, and <laughs> if we love geocaching, we want to be out geocaching. Definitely, um, yeah. I, I think one of the things about geocaching is it, it kind of, um, you know, it's a fairly new uh, hobby, and it it it's kind of you know it's a very digital experience. You know, you had to have a GPS to start with, and not, obviously now you can use your phone, and so right. it kind of exists in this digital space. And so, adding books to it seems kind of like going back in time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, I think there's a couple of areas that mm-hmm. it could work. I mean, fiction, yeah. maybe less so, but like I said, I mean, I love travel logs and I think a good book could be written with geocaching woven in to, uh, a, you know, a novel about experiencing, you know, Africa or, or whatever, because uh, there's yeah. lots of great things to be had. You make it part of the, you know, not necessarily, uh, the destination itself, but and and add a bonus um, for wherever you might be going. I don't think it should be the focus, because at the same time, I mean, look, it, it's a, it's a very niche su- subject matter, without right. a doubt. I think mm-hmm. we all agree with that, and I think that's the main problem. But if you want to get other people interested in geocaching and perhaps get it out of the niche market, mm-hmm. you want a broader audience. So if if you know if if people are reading books about the French countryside, let's you know let's let's weave it into your adventures while you're you know, touring around, tasting wine and cheese. 
Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, that's uh, as far as uh, ulterior motive, Joshua. My ulterior motive tonight that I will mention now is I want people to write more geocaching books. And again, it doesn't have to be like Dave was saying. You don't have to go and write, you know, Here's an intro to geocache. Geocache killer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of been done some. So as long as they are to read, that can only be done so many times. It can only be done so many times. <laughs> and here in a minute, we'll get into some ideas. I think that's another where we're going with this. But um, what are some other? And you guys are exactly right. What are some areas that? Um we haven't hit maybe that's a good a good a good segue into the next question and that is what are some areas that we might be able to hit i think before we even branch off in the areas i think a lot of it has to do with the audience also right you have to think about geocachers there's a lot of different types of geocachers and some of the newer ones that have come in and have been introduced which is great the mm-hmm. people that have come in and that to them it's an app that they download on their phone and something to do in the city park and they do it when they're bored and stuff like that. I, I don't know that they're deep enough into the game to, to read books on the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other people there's, I mean, there's t- we could list the styles of them all day long. Right. But there's certain styles of cashers that are like, uh, you know, they tick things off the list. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. That's hundred percent what they do. That also is probably not somebody that's reading tons of extra things. It's not going to really play into their game. Um, I think more of the seasoned people will be reading more or people that are just trying to gobble up knowledge for the nonfiction. Um, sadly, and this is just my personal opinion, of course, that mm-hmm. all y'all can tell me I'm stupid later, but sadly, some of the most interesting ones I think for that I would want to read um, would come from some of the people that the really adventurous people that are doing these crazy things and, you know, the, going to the Sahara and, and hiking Kilimanjaro and doing all these other things. But a lot of times those people don't stop to write a book. You know what I mean? They're on to their next adventure. They're not, unless that was already something they're doing, they're not, they're not writing that book. And other people may not be interested in reading that, but that's, that's the ones I would want to read. Like you mentioned going to France and, you know, mm-hmm. sample cheese and wine and also geocaching. That'd be enough to hook me in or, you know, hiking Everest and doing those things. But you don't see a that, lot of those people. That really cash at the top of that. Those. Is a, it's not related to stories. Yeah. Well, the, you, guys, um, you guys got that one? The cache at the top of Everest? That was a tough one to get. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You've been there? Uh, Dave's been to the base. No, I've been to the base, actually. I've been close, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the, yeah. The, well, there, you know, there are caches there, legitimately. The cache, so. yeah. um, you know, it is, you know, it, it is a, it's a difficult, well, a couple things. One is it's it has been difficult to find different books that are related to geocaching. Um, you know, the um, you know Russ Atkinson wrote a whole series of books mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, but from his, you know, this is kind of where we maybe get into this, and that is he he was an FBI agent. He was into cryptography. He had a, he was involved with some very high profile um, crimes and then he wrote and he was an avid geocacher so he wrote books 
based on his information and knowledge because he had such great information in from the FBI. And they're they're really they're really good um, really good books. When you get into geocaching, you you can do some nonfiction. I I would like there to be more nonfiction. Um, you know, about ticking off boxes, Jesse. You know, that, I think that's why my two hundred one book was was semi successful because mm-hmm. it's a tick off the box kind of book. Right, that it really is. Um, but there are um, there are areas that um, that I think we haven't had people attempt to explore, and we'll get into the why we don't have more books written in general, maybe here in a moment, because I know Caleb has some ideas to, to share, but there's some areas of fiction that I think are out there that can be explored. You know, Jesse and I wrote some audio or audio. We're hoping that will ter- be turned into audio books. Sorry, Dave, but they're short stories. And so I don't think they lend themselves to really full books, but we both have an audio story, short story. Well, we have a short story. We're hoping to make it into an audio. Yeah. Just to kind of just get, want to say the word audio. I just want to say the word. Can I say the word audio again? Yes. But <laughs> I think there's areas uh, in a couple of them that I came up with, and you guys can comment and tell me what you think about some of these. But uh, one is sort of the like you were mentioning, Kale, about the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. You could possibly do a book where somebody who's an avid geocacher travels back in time and then, you know, hilarity or adventure ensues um, and make it geocaching related. Again, I think that Dave you know, brought up a good point earlier, and that is it doesn't have to be the focal point, but you can weave it into the story to make it interesting. Um, you could do one. I think Jesse, yours is sort of, without spoiling it, uh, semi- He's about to spoil it. Yeah. I hate to spoil it, but here it goes. <laughs> yeah. The- it's Plot about summary. Yeah. So I, I'll do it so Gary doesn't spoil it. It falls <laughs> into one of my favorite categories uh, of what if this happened? Yeah. What would it look like after that? So right. um, so before Gary tells the story. Um, I would tell the story. I just yeah. saying it could be futuristic. And as, got, as a general term, you could kind of either go back in time, or go forward in time. Those are mm-hmm. a couple of ways you could kind of approach it. Um, what are some other areas you guys think? Well, I think I think Jesse and and Dave were, were both kind of onto something. I mean, it, with geocaching, you need to broaden your base. You need to get people in who maybe don't even know what it's about or have never done it. In order to do that, you know, you kind of get to the soul of it. And I think adventure is, you know, really at the soul and heart of geocaching. And so, if you have some of these travel log kind of books, or you know, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, especially nonfiction, um, where you get somebody who just likes. To, to see or read about people, uh, you know, going to faraway places and what, what happens there. I mean, I think that would be really interesting. I mean, you could do a, a non or a fiction kind of like where in the world is Carmen San Diego geocaching kind of thing for those who remember that with their kids. I mean, I think there's a kid, you know, component with it. But um, I also think the travelogue, I mean, what, what uh, Anthony Bourdain, like his series where he goes around and tries all those different foods. I mean, there's a reason that's popular mm-hmm. is because a lot of people, they can't get to those places. You know, we can't get to Kilimanjaro or Everest. A lot of us can't. So we'd like, we like to read about it, you know, take us, take us to that world. And geocaching can be a kind of weaved into that, I think. Yeah. There's another, and I can't think of the name of the genre right now. Yeah, I'm in the right crew though, so I'm pretty sure y'all will figure this out really quickly. It was originally Russian, and uh, that 
Ready Player One is kind of in that genre too, but they're the characters in like a, a game version. Mm-hmm. The story, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? I can't think of the. Anyway, it's kind of like the rules of a game. Like they're thrown into a game in real life somehow, and however they set it up, you know, they're kind of in a multiplayer game. Uh, huh. It's like and, a first-person uh, shooter kind of thing, right? Yeah, kind of like that, but it's a book version of it, right? Yeah. So whether it's like, you know, fantasy or whatever, um, Ready Player One was kind of a takeoff of that because that person actually went into the game physically, but sometimes there's other ones where they're testing a game and they get sucked into it, that kind of deal. Um, I cannot remember the name of that genre. It's originally Russian, and then it's, it's kind of peaked out into the market now. Ah, I can't think of it. That's all right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. That sounds like Tron. anyway. Uh, don't say Tron. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like a sounds like Tron. I think Tron? It's cool. Like uh, Jumanji was awesome too. Okay, there's Jumanji. an example of it. Oh, yeah. So, but this whole genre—it's not a very popular. It's in sci-fi. Um, it's a small niche in sci-fi, but basically, somebody gets sucked into the game, like, it, and then it's like health and everything else is like it's just like a video game, but it's right. like it wrote a video a book about somebody playing a video game but like as the actual characters of the video game. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating, if you, you know, that was mm-hmm. a terrible description of it. Cause I don't even know the name of it, right. but I couldn't think of it. The, uh, that would be an interesting way. That kind of genre w- w- might lend well to geocaching as well, because it's, it kind of throws you like a Tron. It kind of throws you into the story or you're part of the game or you're part, you know, um, and you're looking at it from the character's perspective. So um, that'd be cool. Who knows? I think one of my I do a lot of I do a lot of tabletopping and one of my favorite games is called uh, Mansions of Madness and it's got this physical tabletop board game component but it's also got an app that um, so there's a digital component to it and that lends to its replayability and stuff like that right. and so I think it would be really interesting if there was a book that um, combined you know obviously the written word with geocaches in the real world so if you had a book and then there were you had enough people who joined on where you could hide related caches and maintain them you know across the u.s or across the world and give people a chance to interact with those i think that that would be a lot of fun to me that's cool yeah that sounds great you know there's um there's something i think that is related to well you know dave one of the reasons why i think a lot of of the the shows that you produced and we've talked about before that I really love you and the, the different people that were involved really were able to, to share a story uh, of, you know, whether it be, you know, Andrew sharing a story about eating somewhere and, but there's a lot of background around it or, um, you know, uh, Josh Gates, we've talked about, you know, uh, some of the, some of the ones you did with him um, were, were such great storytelling that there, I think there's a lot that can be learned for folks that are maybe thinking about writing a, a geocaching book where, you know, telling, we, we joked about, you know, a, a geocaching book by itself, maybe not sounds that fabulous, but there can be so much great, there's so much rich material out there that you can sort of weave, I think, into some of those stories that um, I, I think that's why some of them, uh, the the small group that we can think of are, are actually really good. You know, um, I always come back to Russ's books because his books are, even if you're not a fan, and I'm not a huge fan, Jesse's more a huge fan of the, the crime 
uh, novels, but he was able to tell the stories uh, lit RPG. So that's actually what is, that's the genre. the genre I was talking about. I couldn't think of it. My brother's listening tonight. So, yeah, that's really re- niche there. It's a Russian genre, really. It's only okay. made it into American a few times, but if you're a good sci-fi nerd, mm-hmm. go check it out and read some books in that genre. And you'll be fascinated. It'll be like genres are like some of those bands that like aren't big in the States, but get huge in Japan. Yeah. So you find some kind of geocaching genre and it's in Thailand. They just eat it up, you know, or something. Right. <laughs> but did, would you guys agree that there are, and you don't have to agree. I'm not putting you on that kind of thing, but do you think that there are stories out there that we're missing? That we're not thinking of, you think, or things that you guys thought I of? I think we've thought of every story and history. Have, I, yeah. I, it's over. I disagree. Every story has been written. Hey, uh, well, of course, of course, there's always stories to tell, and, and and geocaching can be woven in. But I think, as a platform, as uh, you know, as far as the subject matter goes, mm-hmm. uh, we need. I would like to see it anyway to break out of the niche mold. Right. You know, we we I'd like to see more people play the game. And books can be a medium to that. And that's why you don't get so, you know, no offense to anybody present, but I love your books, guys. But yeah, <laughs> look at obviously it's for the niche market. Right. Um, that's why you'd have to do something like a travel log and weave it in, not make it the the, the, the bulk of the subject matter. Also, uh, I think we have to get out of the, the self-publishing mode. Um, right. There, there are niche publishers that can promote a book and have a, a mechanism to promote books more than sure. you can just on Amazon by yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will also help the game as well. Right. No matter what form the book, you know, what genre the book is, whether it's a travel log, whether it's fiction. But again, you know, look at geocachers are, are, are the, the whole gamut of human society are, are geocachers. There's different people from all walks of life and different talents. Uh, and right. you don't have to be a writer. So I think one thing we, we you know, I, I, we're ignoring is photography. Uh, a lot of people are into photography and right. I'd love to see a giant picture book, a coffee table book of beautiful caches. And I think oh, yeah. that will catch somebody's eye and right. further get them interested in the game. Right. Great point. No, no, that's really good. You know, we just I talked about something similar in that I think people would be interested, like you're talking about, uh, uh, Dave, as far as uh, gadget caches, because so many of them are so well made and so mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. to look at, and 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 there's so many parts to them. I mean, all of WV Tim's, and of course, all the other all the other great gadget cache creators. Um, you know, that's an area that might be interesting is a picture book of, of that because they're, they're so different. Um, not really a spoiler because they're usually out in the open anyway. So they're not, it's not like you're, you're, you're sharing a cache that, you know, is a spoiler. <laughs> I, I think that uh, you got to get outside too. like, it, it's still going to be niche when you talk in anything nonfiction, like, uh, how to do this or that mm-hmm. that's going to apply to a small group. And that's great. And that's, there's a good thing, you know, there's a good place for that, but that's not going to be the blow up book. That's not going to be the one that gets the, you know, somebody goes out and writes a book on way marking. I know like right. one person that does that part of the game and I just met them by accident. That's not going to break it out to the rest of the world. Right. If you're talking about something that's going to be um, like a good introduction or a good, like, Hey, that, you know, 
we're in the middle of a Stephen King book and one of the characters goes geocaching and now 5 million people go, hey, I've heard of that game. I'm going to go check it out. It's not going to be those really, really niche parts of a really niche game in the first place, the nonfiction stuff. Right. Um, but uh, I'd really like to, like you said, woven into another story. I think mm -hmm. that's a good way to introduce people to it. I'd love to see those in some of the more mainstream. Um, now, there's always a drawback to that too, right? Because, you know, it's it's supposed to be kind of a sneaky game. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I think I would like to see, I like the fiction stories, but I would like to see some that aren't like, they're going cash and they stumble on a dead body in the woods. Yeah. It's been played out a little bit, but Done. there's another book I read too. And for part of the, it was one of those, but for part of the book, it was talking about more of the, the people in the book. And then it kind of mentioned geocaching kind of like it was almost a known factor. Like, Hey, we got a, we got a baseball game this weekend. Okay. And they go to, you know, they're doing that kind of thing. It wasn't like, well, Hey, we got to go find a multi-cache. A multi-cache is a three-step geocache that you do this. And you know, it wasn't one of those type deals. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we get to that point and we have somebody that, that does invest the time and the effort, you know, and maybe somebody that's actually even an author outside of the game and not just putting in a geocacher that's putting something together. Yeah. That'll be when we see something with a little more prestige, maybe. I didn't know that Ryan, that you John think Grisham Grisham tried to, mean? Geocache, tried to do geocaching into a promo. Uh, I have to find which one that is. Cause I've read, if that's, if he's talking about John Grisham, then I've read a lot of John Grisham. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, what, if you could tell us what, what book that might've been, that would be of help. But yeah, if you had if you had a famous author kind of talk about it, then yeah, yeah you would have you would have an explosion or a, it, it if it was in a big movie or something like that. But does you know for those of you who are more hardcore geocachers, I mean, at that point you get you get the sellouts, right? You've got the big brands come in. I mean, do do you like geocache kind of being niche where it's at? You know, do you want it to go the way of grunge and all that stuff and, and blow up, or do you like it kind of you know? There's pros and cons, I guess, to both, right? Absolutely. And I think to answer that question for me personally, I want to see more and higher quality products inside geocaching. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want geocaching to be sponsored by Under Armour either, right? right. I don't want everybody and their mom. Play. I want people to play the game and have fun with it, but I'd hate to see it go down the road of over-commercialization. That wouldn't be any fun. Because right. we like sneaking around and hiding crap when we're not supposed to and you know all that, but um, I'd love to see more, and we're not talking about it tonight, but games and books and board games and card games and all kinds of stuff because we're we're hobbyists, right? We like to have stuff that's for our hobby, but I'd also like to see them be bigger and better and, you know, that kind of thing. I guess that's a selfish two-way answer, but I don't care. And, 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 <laughs> and Dave probably has experience with this. I don't know exactly uh, his role uh, doing produce, production and producing and stuff like that. But um, you know, I'm sure you've you've had to to take maybe more niche things and find a broader audience with it. That's probably something that's kind of in your wheelhouse, right? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, but, maybe it takes somebody like that to kind of oh, look. There's ways to do it. I mean, and you know, there's there, and television is one medium, of course, and. You know, um, you look, I was, I wanted to bring up the movie treasure, which, you know, you've yeah, had Chris on, I mean, it, it, it weaves in, uh, you know, geocaching to a, a, a broader story. That's, that's one platform. There's no reason why it can't be done in, in fiction, like right. in, in a fiction, uh, narrative, uh, book. No question. Yeah. That is a, that is a great example of people 
go see Treasure on. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon and all that. Reason why I think we were big fans, all of us that have, have seen the movie, is the fact that it is a, just a great story. It's a great redemption story of these different people. But it is interesting how he did weave geocaching into it, um, and he didn't make it. It didn't make or break the 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 movie, but yet it was so great of how he entered. Obviously, we're huge fans, and that was <laughs> that helps for us to love it. But even if you try to sort of take yourself out of that situation for a moment and just sort of try to objectively look at it, it really is a neat story. And the fact that he did weave that in makes for a great backdrop for a lot of that movie. And I've got an example. So I, I work in, in the church and you've got the Christian movie industry and they're mostly awful, right? Because right. they start with, you know, we're trying to sell this Christian idea and they're not concerned about making a really good movie. They're concerned with, you know, selling Christianity or some Christian idea. And they're usually crap movies. And right. then there's movies out there that are maybe spiritual or religious in nature that first and foremost want to be a good film. And and then secondly, they have the rest. And, and I think that's important is the whatever it is, whatever it's going to be about, it needs to be good, well-written narrative and first, and then it can be geocaching second. But if you just mm -hmm. set out to write, okay, I'm going to write a geocaching book, what should the setting be? You know, get a story, get a narrative, that's kind of what you're talking about. And you, there's all kinds of ways to weave stuff in, but let, let it be a great story first with compelling characters and then, you know, don't, don't go out and be like, I'm going to write the Christian movie version of a geocaching book. Right. No, that's exactly right. Well said, son. <laughs> so what is the game there? Uh, how, how would we encourage people yep. to jump into the market more? Maybe there's some authors out there that already geocache. Maybe there's some geocachers out there that have a great idea for story. What do you think is holding people back? Everybody at one time. That's great. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> that, makes for great, that makes a great audio. One at a time, people. I, I, th I think I think there's several reasons. I mean, I think yeah. um, people don't know how to break into a certain market. Uh, they, they don't have confidence in their writing. Um, they feel like that, that it is too niche of a hobby. Maybe they don't want to mix, you know, um, you know, they got to have a passion for it obviously. And I think we all do. Anyone listens to this podcast does, but I think, you know, you have to have a passion for writing too, or photography, if you're going to do a, a book, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to waste their time. And I think they think the venture itself is gonna, not going to be fruitful and publishing is, you know, is, is a tough business, especially nowadays. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are ways to promote the game, to be successful at, I think we've, we've come up with a lot of great examples and a lot of different mediums. Yeah. It can be done. Just, just do it. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the t-shirt uh, right there. There you go. Right. Do it. I would say too the, the, you know, I think that part of it is like the, the writing process can seem kind of overwhelming, but um, it's, it, you know, and obviously the process of, 
finding of you know writing a manuscript and and finding beta readers and pitching a story and getting an agent and and you know selling it is complicated but the process of actually writing it um you know is is you just have to do it and the more you do it the better you get at it and there's some software software out there that's really helpful i use a thing called scrivener that um helps me kind of keep track of what i'm writing and and sets goals and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so i would say that if somebody is interested and they don't know how they don't know how to get into um, the publishing business, then first of all, you've got to set goals for yourself and you've got to write every day and it's got to become a priority for you. And so just get really good at that. And then there's lots of opportunities depending on where you live. I know in DFW, there's great opportunities for writers. There's pitch wars where you can, you can, uh, you know, pitch story ideas. Um, there's groups of, there's writing groups that will read your stuff and help you develop better plots and characters. Um, there's a whole network of people out there and, and, you know, you may not, um, you know, sell your book. You may not have an agent pick you up, but it, just the process of completing something can often be really rewarding. So um, if you do want to write, then I would say the first thing you've got to do is, is be diligent about it and just know that, you know, it's called first draft for a reason. They all suck. Everybody's first draft is terrible. So just write it and then, you know, have other people come help you and and create a process that works for you. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, Jesse, we'll, we'll start to wrap up tonight. Um, I guess we we could go around the room, and I don't know what what are what are what uh, topic do you want to hit for the final thought for tonight? Um, I would encourage people. This we talked about books tonight, but you know, you mentioned treasure, and uh, there's games out there. You mentioned a game earlier, and I have a version of that game in my house too. That's like an interactive board game. I think there's a lot of things out there that uh, when you're in a niche market. We're in a niche market, right? But as mentioned earlier, there's people from all walks of life kind of out there across the world uh, playing this game. I'd like to see, you know, which, of course, I'm going to say this because I'm in that market, right? But I'd like to see more people bring their outside experiences and outside things like movies and like Chris did and, mm-hmm. and books and games and stuff like that and see more pop culture type stuff in the geocaching genre just because I want to consume them. So I'd love yeah. to see more things. But then... Maybe with more things, we're going to get higher quality items and, and they'll move up like that. And it'd be great to see those things in the future because I'm going to consume them anyway. So, sure, you know, I, I'd encourage people to try them and, you know, they, they may get to share a special point of view or, you know, may open up a whole new market for people. So. Right. Anyone else? All at once? Well, I, I, I believe that um, – Sales of Ender's Game on Amazon just spiked. All right, way to go, guys! There we go. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Quadrupled. Hey, I just this people thing, are buying it. Yeah, I actually want to point out one more thing. You notice yeah. that uh, GSM times two just totally bucked out of the the chat. He's probably long gone before yeah, we talked about you. He he couldn't take it. We 45 minutes before we got the geocaching. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he, yeah he I was. love you, Scott. No matter what. Yeah, he he bailed on us. Yeah, uh, we, we didn't get into the geocaching quick enough, I guess, for him. But uh, no, um, he's reading it. Maybe he went to read his copy of Ender's Game again. Maybe know. he did. There it is. There you go. It's always possible. Yeah. If, if not, I've got an extra copy. I get it. <laughs> I got English and Spanish. So, uh, any other final thoughts? I would just say that uh, I think one of the things that that helps with all of this is that. I found that the geocaching community is very encouraging and it's filled with uh, just a lot of, uh, you know, people who like to be adventurous. So 
for those of you out there who are unsure or uncertain or not confident in what you do, I mean, this is a good community to kind of share your stories with. And as long as you're honest and authentic, then people are going to buy into that. So mm-hmm. oh, very much so. I'll certainly buy any book with it. All oh, right. Well, hey, yeah. let me let me send some of your. He'll, he'll post his credit card information. You all you have to do is yeah. just. <laughs> but you know we're and you know it's a really small market. It hasn't been around that long, but we are coming up on twenty years. So there's a lot of adventures that have happened in the millions of people that play over twenty years, and hopefully that's maybe those turn into a book. Who knows? But or you know that's just we're talking about nonfiction. But I think there's a lot of material out there. Just mm-hmm. it's got to be because it's spread across the whole world. So mm-hmm. you just got to harvest it. Well, I think you guys, you know, are doing a great thing by trying to get together a compilation. Uh, it's a great start. Uh, and hopefully, you know, there'll be more than just, you know, the typical geocaching stories right. in those books. Uh, and I, I really do believe we need to reach a wider audience. And I'm not saying we have to make the game completely ma- mainstream, mm-hmm. but we really, really, really should write more about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, Caleb, what are your, what are, what's going in your, around your head right now? Yeah, I, you know, I think that it's just, I think there's a, you know, kind of the general theme is just that there's an opportunity to take something that obviously we all enjoy and that has a great community and that is very community oriented and adventure oriented and that there's opportunities to kind of explore that beyond um, the, you know, going and finding the cash element of it, which is obviously the core of it. So I, I'm supportive of that. And I think that, that, you know, I think that all of us and all geocachers would be, um, you know, fans of seeing something creative, uh, you know, like that happen. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to that, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, maybe, maybe if we all discover this, that hmm. maybe Grisham will go, hey, maybe I should write more about geocaching. <laughs> He'll so, write about whatever makes him money. Yeah, I want to know what, what, what Ryan. What, what was the context of that anyway? I mean, uh, yeah, really. It was a, a I was looking at it. Yeah, it was a promo that the publisher had one of those trackables back then. It was uh, square or rectangular shaped. It was tied into gold, like a gold bullion bar, a gold bar, or whatever else, and it had the racketeer on it. And it was a trackable that they sent out. Um, oh. Of course, you know, you send them out and they go missing immediately. But uh, for the people that actually do send them out, that was that was a few years back. Oh, so it was a promo with the actual game. Yeah, before oh, the book. Yeah, it was a promo trackable worked out with HQ, I guess, yeah. to help you know drive traffic to the book. I don't even know what the book's about, but okay. It is interesting uh, seeing who does promote old bar. So I don't remember. It was. I don't remember how tied into the book. I'll be honest. Interesting. So it it wasn't a great marketing tool. So try again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can do better, folks. Geocaches <laughs> went for the trackable, not the book so much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No more trackable than the book. The trackable within the book. That's a whole other show, right? Like, do trackable promotions do that or do they not? I don't know. Put the coordinates in the book, <laughs> in the form of words. In the f- <laughs> now we're onto something. Now we got some working. We've invented. Now books. we're picking with gas. <laughs> Words and books, folks. Right, so we can do it. Apply your creative thoughts and add more to the geocaching universe. That's that's right. That's right. All right. We're, Zoom it. we're nerds, so it's okay. That's right. Well, guys, uh, thanks so cool. much. 
uh, I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was productive. You guys were, were great. Um, as I said before, it's been interesting. Uh, I think, I think it's something we we don't hear a lot of. So I thought this would be a great show, and I think it was a great show. A lot of people enjoyed this. Give us a thumbs up if you did like it, and um, I think that will send us out. If I can, another award winning performance, guys. Proud it of was you. another. I send my check, right? Yeah, yeah. It's checking the I'm mail. I'm just glad everybody liked Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah amen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's some sort of correlation there we've discovered. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed the show tonight as well as our new format. Please email us your comments at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or Spotify, as well as at the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click that subscribe button below and ring that bell notification so that you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis. And tell your friends about the show. Get them involved with us in the chat room. And until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Go geocaching. When you can, <laughs> when you can go to a and you can safely go again. Exactly. I'm All working right. on a streak right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> this, streak. Well, this is a bad time to work on a streak. A bad time, my friend. I'm but doing all right. I'm glad you're doing okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. See you guys. Bye. Good to meet all you. Right. Take care.